of a crowd today because they heard me yesterday, so <laughs> they knew what to expect this morning. So, um, Somebody mentioned about they were shocked to see your wife at the restaurant yesterday. Who, who was that? Was it Brian last night? I did the same thing. I walked in there and I went. The other night we went to James. James, it's James, right? Went to your house. He had us for some some barbecue. I, I, we can't get you can't get good barbecue in Pennsylvania. You just can't. There's been a few stores that have opened up, and I thought, yes. Six months later, they're gone. I'm like, what are you doing? I darken the door once a week, looking for some some burn ends and some. You know, pulled po- pork po- and they disappear. But that was a great meal. But I met your wife there and then I walked on me. Mean, what is she doing here? Um, she reminds me of my wife. My wife is always behind the scenes doing something. Always. You put her up here, she'd have a heart attack. She's behind the scenes. So make sure you, make sure you thank the preacher's wife. <clears throat> they go through a lot. They have to put up with the preacher. <laughs> I remember... Well, I told you yesterday that I ran for two years and I got called. And one of the reasons I ran, I was afraid to tell my wife. She didn't marry a preacher. Right? She married a guy working at Texas Instruments, training dogs, teaching karate. You know, go to her and say, I'm going to be a pastor. I was afraid she'd take that knife in my pocket and stick it in my head. (laughs) And when I I told her, I said, I think God's calling me to preach. She goes, oh, I know. What do you mean? She goes, I've known for a year. I'm like, why don't you say something? She goes, no, I was afraid to. <laughs> and so our wives go through a lot. You know, she, if it wasn't for her, I couldn't travel as much as I travel. Now, she's a nester. You know what a nester is? She sits down in that nest, and she's happy right there. She don't want to go nowhere. I take it, when I do marriage seminars, I'll take her with me. But uh, she's hard to get out of the area. Now, if I say grandkids, she's packing. <laughs> Because, listen, you young, you young men that are dating, brother, you're dating, right? Y'all in love back there, right? Let me tell you something. <laughs> right, right now, right now, it's awesome because you love her and she loves you and everything's great, right? There's honey dripping everywhere, right? <laughs> well, as soon as you say, I do, you're going to start doing. <laughs> Everything she tells you to do, you're going to do. Because if you don't, you're not going to be a happy man. And uh, what happens is you're on the front burner, right? I mean, she lives, for the, she lives for you. She worships the ground you walk on. She calls you Lord with a small L. Then you have a child. And she takes you off the front burner and puts you on the back burner. And then you have grandkids. You're not even on the stove. You could be on fire and she'd say, wait a minute, honey, he wants a drink. I'll be right with you. <laughs> That's how that works. So just be prepared. I warned you. <laughs> 35 years from now, you'll call me and say, Brother Haskell, you were right. <laughs> In all seriousness, now we tease and joke and we need to because if you don't laugh, you'll cry sometimes, right? Um, I want to, again, thank Pastor Joe. Uh, tremendous meeting. I feel right at home. The food, the fellowship, you folks are friendly. Either you're real good liars or you're really friendly, one or the other. And right at home. And so thank you for all your work. You don't understand all the planning and the, and the preparation and the phone calls and, and the logistics, all the stuff that goes to pull one of these things off. And all the people here, I don't care if you've 
greeted at the door or made the coffee or cleaned the floor. Thank you. Amen. Give them a hand. They did, give them a hand. They did a great job. Thanks for being faithful. And again, I want to publicly say thank you to folks like Greg and Alan. I mean, when I went to uh, Shepherd School, uh, I had Alan for... Alan's forgotten more than I'll ever know. I believe that. And I, I don't know a lot. What I know, I know pretty well, but I, what I, I don't know a lot of things. But I walked up to him one day in the foyer of KCBT, and I said, hey. And I asked him about that passage of Romans about, you know, Calvinism. And he said, well, you know, Hodge said blah, 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 and so-and-so said blah, blah, blah. And he's pulling these people out of the air. I'm like, how do you do that? And so he's a walking encyclopedia. And so I really appreciate Alan. I had him for several subjects, and I've known him for years. And uh, he doesn't know it probably, but he's been a tremendous help to my ministry. Just information overload. And Greg, Greg, your teaching, it helped me. I had you for, I think, three classes at KCBT with the Shepherd School. And uh, so thank you for all your input into my life. And... Um, is it Eric? I've known Eric now for several years. Raise your hand, Eric. Pastor's up in New Hampshire. I, I had the uh, opportunity to teach his pastor discipleship years ago, and then his pastor made some bad decisions in the ministry now, but Eric took over, and he's doing a fine job there, so it's been a pleasure to have input into your life also. Preached for Eric several times, and love his people, love his wife. Uh, if it wasn't for Kelly, Eric would be dead, because Kelly takes care of him, keeps an eye on him, right? So you've got to be good to your wife, because she cooks for you. And she knows where you sleep. So. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, again, thank you for the invite. Um, I, I, it's a privilege to be here. I'm humbled to be up and to share with you folks. If you got to know me, Eric would testify to this. If you grab me by the head and by the feet and ring me out, you're going to get discipleship juice. That's what you're going to get. Because I spend the bulk of my time discipling my people and being with my people. Um, you're not going to find me behind my desk playing with my computer. That's not where I'm at. I'm, I'm in the field with my people. And, so, and, I would, and that's why a lot of preachers don't want to get involved in discipleship. It's, it's W-O-R-K. And when you, when, you learn the, when you see the vision, you learn the philosophy, and you learn what... You never have to get up and say, gee, what do God wants me to do today? You say, Lord, how in the world am I going to find time to get accomplished what you want me to do? That's, what, that's, that's the problem going to be. It's going to be time doing what God called you to do. So let me, let me get, I'm done here, what time? 10 to 20? I'll have it, I'll be done before then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Philosophy of discipleship. If you have your notes, please turn there. Some of this stuff you've seen, this, some of this, there's a few segments of this that are old as Noah, okay? And it's been massaged and tweaked and changed, but, so you'll recognize some of this, but uh, God, are you going to keep up with me? Yes, he is. How come I can't see what's on the screen? Okay. T tell me later, not now. Okay. They don't get along. It's like Baptists and Methodists, they don't get along. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, anyway, I can't see. So, if I turn around, I'm not being rude. I'm trying not to be rude. Uh, God's plan for man has always been multiplication. That's what that, that was his design. Okay. And, uh, I'm going through D2 again, just you know, finishing that up, and we have a D3 too, and reviewing the kingdoms and <clears throat> teaching on Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2, and the first time he teaches to some people, their eyes roll in their head like a pinball machine. they just like, what? And but then as you teach them through it, they go, ah, it makes sense. But his, his plan has always been multiplication. Your verses are there. Notice it says, uh, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, unless you're on the East Coast, 
Boston or West Coast, let's, let's be fruity. <laughs> Seems like to me anything that's, that's strange comes from both coasts, amen? And uh, I grew up on, right near Cape Cod and, and had enough brains to leave there because of the... Uh, if you haven't figured out, I am very conservative in my politics and my, my lifestyle. Liberals make me nuts. Let's, let's go on from there. Just say that. Let me just move on from there. Liberalism is a mental disease. It's a mental disorder. And it isn't hard to figure out because if you look at the Word of God, God is against abortion. Amen? God is Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, right? Okay. Uh, God is against big government. They got two jobs, right? Punish the evil, praise the good, right? There's Mrs. Preacher right there. Thank you, for, thank you for everything. God says if, you don't, if a man won't work, so he's against welfare. He's, he's biblical socialist, which is voluntary, right? I just gave you five things there. God's a conservative. Hello? I tell people, if you can vote for a liberal, you don't know your Bible. Enough of that. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> be fruitful and multiply. That's what God, he wanted them to fill the earth again, okay? It's not complicated. Some of the very first words that God said to Adam were, be fruitful and multiply. You know that, replenish the earth. So then, explanation of the commandment. Here you go. Be fruitful, bear fruit, produce life. It, what is it? It's evangelism. There's your blank. Be one is evangelism. And then number two, multiply your fruit, make more, more, make more of you. That's discipleship. And then replenish or fill the earth, that's world missions. We're up to that right now, are we not? That's what our goal is now. We're doing the same thing. So moving right along, point C, the Lord's will, the Lord's will, that's your blank, and C, is perfect, and he's never changed his original intention. That's, that's never changed. And so God's philosophy is, it's still smack dab. It's right on. It's, it's, it's plum, right? Plum, that means smack dab. Is that what that means? Number two, the, this exact commission was given to Noah and the nation of Israel through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, again, it's a co-mission. It's cooperating with the mission with him. It's not your mission, it's, it's his mission. And we, we got ourselves involved in it, and we're just working with him. So, this, this is self-explanatory stuff. Noah, 9-1, what does he say? Be fruitful, multiply. Okay, we heard, we've heard that before. Point B, we see he tells him in Genesis chapter 12, and I will make of thee a great, uh, a great nation. Okay, is, that, is that great in there twice? It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a great, great one, okay? So we can scratch one of them greats out of there if you want to. Typo. So a great nation, and he said, I'm going to bless them that bless thee and curse thee. That's why I'm glad at least this current president is at least getting back with Israel like he's supposed to. Right? You mess with Israel, you're messing with the wrong crowd. And so uh, I'm glad that our current president is at least patching things up with uh, Mr. Netanyahu. And then he says here in Genesis 22, multiplying, I will multiply thy seed. Okay, it's brief. And if you've been through discipleship uh, two, you will learn how to study your Bible. You know that as and like are two of the most Bible. And so, because words mean things. Okay, unlike, you know, as we said yesterday, politicians, you, did, you, did you get that definition? Polly, many various, and tick is a blood-sucking creature. So that's, don't forget that now. And that's why he came, so we could have eternal life. 1 Corinthians 6 says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one 
spirit. That's why when you get saved, your spirit and his spirit marry up. Now you can never lose your salvation because you're married to him. And as you know, the body someday will be saved, right? It ain't right now. Who was it said yesterday, uh, played basketball for, th who was it? Was, uh, was it Jeff? Who said that? They played basketball and then they couldn't walk? Huh? I think that was me. That was you. Like this? Walk this way, right? Ibuprofen. Yeah, I know. Believe me, I teach three classes of Taekwondo. I'm going to be 60 in July. I teach, I teach three classes Tuesday and I teach three classes Thursday. On Wednesday and on Friday, hello? It, 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 takes, it takes the starch out of your shorts. Someday, someday, y'all that have problems with your body, eyes and so on, and diabetes, all that stuff, you're going to be able to eat all the hot fudge sundaes you want to, and it ain't going to matter a bit. Right? See these things right here? I won't need them anymore. You, you look better now. <laughs> Just for the record. But So our spirit is saved right now. That's why I can never lose my salvation. My body will be saved, and we are being conformed to the image of his dear son. That soul, that really, that's what's being, that's where the battle is right now, right? The heart and the mind, the real you, that's where you struggle every day. So if you will, we are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. All three parts died, and God's going to repair all three parts for us. That's good stuff if you look at it. So this image, that's the, one of the reasons why he came. Now the second reason he came, he wanted to train 12 men, so that they would be able to take his message to the world. And this was the reason for his three and a half year ministry. He, he, he loved these men. He discipled these men. He, 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 he uh, walked with them. He talked with them. He served alongside of them. They had the best example that anybody could ever have. And now watch. In John 17, 4, the Lord said this. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gave me to do. Now, wait a minute, that's pre-cross. Look at your blank. It's important to take note that the Lord said this before the cross. I have finished, I've glorified thee, I've finished the work. Well, wait a minute now, what are you talking about? Well, I think he said, I've reproduced myself in these men, Father. Yeah. Now, they're, my, they're your ambassadors. I can go to heaven yeah. and leave them, and they will give their life like I'm about to. You know, and, and again, you've heard, I've heard, I've had husbands sit in front of me with their wife, and say, and, and he, I love my wife. Well, she thinks you're an idiot, and that's why you're here, to speak to me. I would die for her. I said, that's not the issue, bonehead. The issue is you won't live for her. It's easy to take a boat and go to heaven, right? I mean, who was it? Was it Jeff Foxworthy that said that married men live longer than single men, but married men are more willing to die? Think about it. Was it was it Henny Youngman? Take my wife, please. <laughs> I think it was Henny Youngman. I I told I text my wife this morning, right? Because she's out of work because there's snow up there. So she said, I'm gonna I'm not working tomorrow. I said, cool. So I text her, I said, Honey, hon, you awake? You ready, ladies? Come back. I am now. <laughs> I said, I could be in Georgia and still make my wife mad. 
with one text, Brother Greg, one text, I make her mad. And by mentoring them, I'm to the place, Pastor, no charge. Okay, number two. <laughs> Teach them to observe all things. That's multiply. Multiply, or if you will, discipleship. And let me say this. If any of you preachers, a couple of you preachers have said to me, hey, Brother Haskell, I want you to come preach for me. You better pray about that. <laughs> Seriously. Because what you see is what you get. And uh, so, just telling you. And something else, if you want me to do a discipleship conference for you, don't teach this stuff. Because I'll get there and they'll say, he took pastor's material. James, where did God went? He could not unseal you because the, the, the lamb had not been slain. That's why they had to go to Abraham's bosom before they were led, Christ led captivity captive and they could be, stand whole before the Father in heaven. So, you can't find it there. So, then the Lord Jesus Christ came, the Son of God, and now we can produce sons of God or lead people to him and he can produce sons of God through us. So the difference is that Adam was physical and ours is spiritual. Point four. The commission that we are responsible for has five clear, clear as your blank, clear goals. And again, some of the stuff you know like the back of your, some of you guys know the stuff like the back of your hands, so just bear with me. Point A, to evangelize or bear fruit. You know, we know we, this is our job, right? We, 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 somebody brought this, I think it was you, Joe, brought this word up. Where it's not that you're going to be condemned, you're condemned already. This is one of the verses that led me to Christ. The guy led me to Christ said, you know what? He said, listen, you're on spider webs hanging over hell. I'm like, what is that? He's talking about darkness and the smell of brimstone. This guy buttered the bread, he put jelly on it. Cream cheese, the whole nine yards. And he said, "You're gonna." He said, "Matter of fact, if you don't get saved, when I stand, before, when you're before God being judged, I'm gonna be behind God saying, I told them, Lord, get him.' I told them. <laughs> Where's the compassion there? So literally, I had the hell scared out of me. Literally, I was terrified to go to hell. That's why he said that's not a good motivator. It motivated me. <clears throat> it says, if you don't believe on the Son of the Lord, it said, look at this: wrath of God abideth on him. I don't like the sound of that." And then he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we know that we need to go win souls. It's not anything you don't know. It is radically important, I wrote here, that we make a sincere effort to share the truth of the gospel. Uh, and uh, you, it must be hard for you, Donnie, because there's churches everywhere. How many of them preaching the truth? How many of them? A lot of them? I, I don't know. Because where I come from in Massachusetts, there's a Catholic church on every corner. Right? And it's cool because you can go send your brains out. I mean, raise hell all week. And then you go in the confessional booth and tell the dude what you did. He gives you three sins for a quarter. You go say a couple of prayers and you're good. And you can go do it again. That's how it works. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be fun? No, it doesn't work that way. So preaching the truth is, is, is we need to do that. Point B, to establish local churches. So you want to win people to Christ, where do you put them? Local church. And uh, here it says God's plan for this age is the local church. It's God's vehicle for dispensation. Now, we would, where I come from, he would say it, it, it's his car. <laughs> you say car. I preached in Dandridge, Tennessee a few years back, and a fellow said to me, Brother Geary, he says, you must be awful tarred. <laughs> I said, is that with feathers or without? <laughs> tarred. 
And then his wife said, you want some eyes? Eyes. I have two. She was saying, ice. You want some eyes? My tea? I'll have some ice. I have eyes. Then I thought she was hitting on me. She's saying, sweetheart, darling, sugar. I'm like, is this woman hitting on me in front of her husband? <laughs> Up north, we don't call you sugar and sweetie and darling. We call you jackass and meathead and, you know. And <laughs> different planet down here, you know. So you win them to Christ, you put them in a local church, right? Point C. Order in the court. <laughs> Order in the court. Point C. Mentor. Your blank is mentor in point C. Got to rope him in, Brother Joe. Mentor. If you can't have a good time in church, why go? Right? Yeah. So you win him to Christ, you put him in a church, what do you do? You disciple him. It's, it's common sense. It's imperative, I wrote, that we focus on the multiplication factor. We need to reproduce reproducers and equip equippers, not just pew sitters, or if you have chairs, chair sitters. People that sit there, how, how's that outline go? Sit, soak, sour, squawk, and stink, right? That'll preach. Write that down, Joe. That'll preach for you. Next week's sermon right there for you. Point D, to see souls conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just have Bibles that best. See people actually becoming Christ-like. You know the verse, conform to the image, not the, not the likeness, but the image of his dear son. And so it says, well, we were made in the likeness and image of God. When Adam chose to sin, he lost his image or spiritual presence, the presence of God. You might want to write that. That's in your brackets there. Anybody miss a blank? What's going on behind me? I'm not learning around looking at it. We good? The presence of God. When a person is born again, and you know what it says, we receive the image of God in the person of the Holy Ghost. As we allow him to control our hearts and our minds, we become more and more conformed to his image. The goal of discipleship is, here it is, maturity in Christ. You know, but see, let me tell you what, maturity in Christ. Somebody can come up and criticize you and, and rake your character over the coals. How are you going to respond to that? You want to beat them in the head? Pull out your knife? Do a little taekwondo move on them because they've, they've hurt your feelings? They're going to criticize you. How do you respond? I heard a long time ago, you've heard it, you can walk up to a coffin and say, your mother's ugly. Dude ain't going to respond because he's dead. And if you're, if you're going to be like Christ, then you're going to love those people that are criticizing you. I mean, he told me, I read it years ago, he said, pray for those, pray for your enemies. I said, okay, Lord, kill them. <laughs> it, that doesn't work. Right? Christ-likeness, I mean, love and compassion and tolerance. <clears throat> I'm not saying compromise the truth of the Word of God, because I ain't going to do it. But you can love people in the midst of it and give them grace when they need it. A friend of mine, Bobby Walter, some of you folks know Brother Bobby, he, Eric knows him. Uh, he's, the other day he said the same thing. He said, Brother Gary, I don't care what people have done. He said, but I care what they're going to do about what they've done. Are they going to repent genuinely? Then we can help them. If there's no repentance, we can't help them. I tell people, I don't care what you did five minutes ago, you can't change it, but you can change five minutes from now. Right. Let me help you. Amen. And so, maturity in Christ, and th these verses are awesome. Look at this, 28. Whom we preach warning every man 
and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. I ask preachers, how are you going to present your people when the Lord comes back and says, you got those folks ready? How are you going to handle them? You know, this win them, wet them, work them don't work. Okay? And, and your potential brother may not be your potential ma'am. But our job as pastors is to bring people to their full potential in Christ. So you have to know your sheep by name. Because the Lord, right? And it's tough for a guy like you. you got a big church. i got a smaller church. You could ask me about anybody in my church. I'll take a clipboard. I'll give you the information you need. Because I know those people. You've been with us 27 years. You, you figure people out pretty good. And then, you know, a few people go and come and go, right? They slide in and then they slide out. You, you know some of those kind of people. You mentioned them earlier the other day about hit and miss and bebopping everywhere. So once you become mature, guess what happens? Look at point E, you bring glory to God. That's what happens. And that's the reason for our existence. The reason for our existence is to glorify God. We've already heard that this week a few times. And you know the verses here, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And we don't want to hear that. Right? We don't want to hear that. You can take care of your body. You've got one body. That's all you've got. Um, you know, and you get older and stuff starts to happen, right? Right? You don't heal as fast. Last three years, I've had three meniscus surgeries on my knees because I kick. I'm always jamming them joints all the time, and I have to. But I'm doing pretty good now, but that doesn't mean next week I won't tear another one. Right? You've got to take care of your body. You know what the best thing you can do for your body? Don't get mad at me now. We do push-ups, right? Right? You have push-ups? I'll show you. One. Keep, keep your back straight, right? Touch your chin, right? Push-ups. The best, the best exercise you can do is called a push-away. Push-away. Eat a little bit. Push-away. <laughs> We like, to, we like to hang our jar under the table and just scrape it in. <laughs> you want to keep your girlish figure, you're going to have to push away. So you want to hang around here and torment people for the rest of your life, you need to stick around a while, right? Seriously. Folks go to the early grave, don't they? Right? Cancer sticks. All kinds of crazy alcohol people that ruin their livers just sucking the Jack Daniels. It's just, you got to take it. I'm not saying y'all drinking Jack Daniels. Is this, is, is this a dry county down here? <laughs> well, there's a good, doesn't even know. That's good. Then I'm going to assume you haven't got a problem with alcohol, brother. All right. I'm sorry? I wouldn't want to be seen either. I'd go to the other county too, so people. You're a good, you're a good woman. I don't care what he says about you. I like you. All right, so uh, it says, whether therefore you eat, drink, right? Whatever you do, glory to God, right? So take care of your body because you need to do it for the glory of God. You know, we, we bow, we, we, we take this deep fried... I'm hungry. I'm hungry already. Deep fried stuff that just goes right, right here, right? And we say, Father, thank you for this. Bless this food to our bodies. He's up there going. <coughs> <laughs> <coughs> 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 
Okay, so what God does is he gives us an illustration of how he wants us to treat our spiritual children. He, he gives us the family unit. Evangelism, point A, the, the, a baby is born. I love babies. There's a couple of babies running around. James, that baby of yours is sweet, man. I love babies. I used to be one myself years ago. Um, but a baby, a baby is born, right? It's awesome. I remember my first child being born. It was great. And you bring the kid home, uh, point B, and it's established in the family unit, right? You bring the kid home, and it's good stuff. And then, point C, you, you're teaching, discipling the new believers. The child is taught the basic principles of life. <clears throat> you know what makes me crazy? Is a child disrespecting their parents. Talking to a parent. Talking to them. And the kid comes up. Mommy, 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 mommy. And the mother's talking to me, and I'm going... And so what I, I can't, I go, I go, excuse me, stop. <laughs> Zip it. You say, excuse me, and wait to be acknowledged. Then you talk. I've done that a couple of times. Because I can't help myself. <laughs> My father would have crushed me like a bug if I had done that. You teach the children, listen, open the door for the ladies. Amen. Open the car door for the ladies. I, I do, because I open the door, my wife can get in, and then I give her a pinch on the way in, see? <laughs> Always make sure you let her feet in the car before you close the door. Because <laughs> I've done that a couple times, and it's not pretty. <clears throat> you teach a child, thank you, right? Thank you, please, right? Pick up the phone, my son, Gary there? Yeah, would you say please? If you said please, I'll let you talk to them. Right? They learn when they call the Haskell home, they're going to respect. If you ain't going to teach your kids, I'm going to teach them. Please, thank you, excuse me. Right? Whatever happened to that? Hello? You see kids in the mall on leashes, like huskies, <laughs> dragging their parents through the mall. And their parents say, we can't go there. Why? Because we got the children. We took our kids to church, funerals, weddings. And that was very simple. I said, you're going to sit here and you're going to shut up. If you, don't, if you don't shut up, I'm going to take you to the restroom and beat you. And if I can't beat you here, I'm going to beat you when I get home. As a result of that, we could take them anywhere and they behaved themselves. And we didn't have to beat them much because you just threatened them, see? To this day, in public, if my wife clears her throat, the kids go. <laughs> to this day. She just go. <clears throat> I do the same thing. I... <laughs> you teach the kids the principles of life. Point D. Being conformed to the image of Christ, the child is growing up to be what? Just like dad. And so if the kids are screwed up, maybe it's because we're screwed up, right? It's the same thing. And on that note, when there's a problem with somebody in my church, the first thing, the place, you know where I start, Brother Brian? Brian Hedges, where are you? The first place I start, I say, Lord, where did I fail this person? Are they doing this because I didn't give them something they needed? And if God says no, then you move on to the next thing and you figure out what their problem is. But I always start with me. Are they lacking because I'm lacking? That's a great place to start, preachers. Just, just for the record. 
Bringing glory to God. When a child grows up to be responsible, productive citizens, they make their parents proud. My kid's a state trooper, man. I'm proud of him. Nervous for his job, but I'm proud of him. He's a real man. He takes, you know, he takes super care of his wife. He, he does, listen, he does the dishes. He, he does laundry. He changes diapers. He vacuums. How many people want to marry my, my son? Right? He does all that stuff. But you know what? I do my own laundry. I do my own ironing. I help my wife. Yeah, I cook a lot of my own food. I mean, leftovers. I, I, I thank God for the same food six times. <laughs> when it gets green on it like that thing, who had the donut with the mold? Who was that? Yeah, when it gets green, I don't. Give it to the birds. Yeah. So listen, we, need, we want to raise kids that are going to make God proud. Discipleship. If, if I had brought my baby home from the hospital and said, okay, look it, here's the deal. We eat at 8, at noon, and 5. Okay, this is the refrigerator. This is the wood stove. Don't touch, Bernie, Bernie. There's the wood stove. And this is a cat. Don't touch, it's demon-possessed. Don't go near the cat. <laughs> right? If I did that, if I did that, set the kid on the counter and said, we'll see you on Wednesday night or Sunday night, and walked away, that's how we treat average people in churches. Seriously. The average church. And then three months later, hey, where's Joe? I don't know. Through the cracks. But see, if you're, if you're discipling somebody for me, Brother Joe, if you were in my church and you were discipling Fred, and, and I said, hey, Joe, how's Fred doing? I don't know. I haven't seen him for two weeks. Wrong answer. Because you're going to take care of him like I do, or you ain't going to get him. That's how discipleship has to work. So you have to kind of ride shotgun over it, otherwise people are not going to get what they need to get. I've there's been several times I've grabbed people's book. Let me see your books for a second. And flip through it. And this is fourth generation, fifth generation people. And my notes are in the margin. I'm thinking, Lord, thank you. Thank you. So we've got to be careful with this. Discipleship, number six, holds a key position among the five goals. All five goals are vitally important. Amen? They are. What are they again? Watch. You win them to Christ, what do you do with them? Put them in a church. What do you do? You disciple them. <clears throat> what happens? They become like the Lord. What happens? Glorifies God. Is it, that's, not, that's not hard. You got to memorize them. Because if you haven't got to memorize, what are you shooting at when you disciple? You aim at nothing, you're going to hit it. There's been many times in church, I'll take this Bible and open it up and say, okay, folks, give me the stickers, make them quote them back to me, and I'll embarrass them if they can't say it. They better, if they're discipling, they better know that. If, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing it for them? Isn't that your goal? Are you spitting in the wind? I don't like saliva showers. What are you doing? And I make them quote the four goals publicly, which I've got to change because you guys change them on me. Who made that final decision? Anyway. <clears throat> We'll make the change. It's a good change, and I'm, I'm glad to do it. So all five of these goals are vitally important, but none of them should be ignored. You can't ignore any of them, right? Soul winning, church membership, discipleship, conformity to Christ, glory to God. You can't, you can't ignore those, but because discipleship is able to link, L-I-N-K, there's your blank, the first two goals or the last two goals. So you can measure. You can measure evangelism. You know, you can say, how many people made professions? this year. And you can also say, 
okay, we planted, let's say, two churches or one church or whatever. I got a friend of mine in Sierra Leone, he's planted 13 churches already over there. The place is exploding. And uh, we're going back over there in June again to be part of that. But it says here, you can count churches and you can count attendance. But counting is only a tool, tool, I'm under, I'm under goal two, to measure, to see if you're growing numerically. It's just the tools, all it is. <clears throat> um, it says the last two goals do not have any external unit of measurement. Therefore, most churches ignore, ignore, they ignore, ignore them. Because how do, you, how do you put a ruler on uh, how many people are like Christ? Really, because they can fake it. They can fake it. Goal four is you want to see souls conform to Christ. But I, I, as I just said, how can you put a ruler or, or a measuring stick or a tape, whatever you call it, on this and get a definite number? Uh, and you know, many people can correct bad habits I have there. They can change their dress, they cut their hair, clean up their language, stop going to certain places, etc., but none of that means it was spirit-led. We've all seen people fake it. You know, yesterday I, I pulled up my, my, my knife and, you know, did that thing up here, and I'll never hear the end of that, and Joe won't let my naked dancing go for some reason. I don't know what that is there, but I'm sorry for the visual. I apologize. Uh, but the, when I told you we went from 140 to 40 in 1998, discipleship. The guy that, that did that, led that, was my closest friend in the church. He was like my adopted father. My dad's been dead since 1986. I haven't had my dad for 30-something years. And uh, he was like my adopted father. You want to talk about hurt and pain, okay? So people can fake it. They can look you right now and say, oh, I just love... You know what I've found? People go, oh, you're just such a nice preacher. You're, I just love you. Yeah, sure you do. <laughs> people that criticize me the most I, I think that's the one I'm going to hang with the most because at least they're being honest with me you know bringing glory to God okay so you can't measure really who's really like Christ you can't you get, yeah, stick with me number five bringing glory to God the blank is motives okay 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells us the Lord will test our works to see what our real motives were because that's you know why do you do what you do if you say, I'm going to go to the, the bank and, and steal $10,000 so I can give it to missions, well, giving it to missions is good, but stealing it from a bank is wrong. But I, my heart was right. No, it wasn't. Let me help you. If the action is wrong, the heart's wrong. If the action's correct, God will check the motive. But don't let anybody snowball you. If they do something wrong, their heart's wrong. They'll try to get, out, get over in your office, but I give them that statement. A man is who he is by what he does in spite of what he says. If, it, if you're going to get another tattoo, get that one. Put it on your forehead backwards so when you look in the mirror, you can read that. So, so again, here we go. I have been asked the same two questions several times, by, and I gave you this yesterday. Number one, how many people attend your church? Attend is the blank. And how are the offerings? And for those of you who weren't here yesterday, uh, I said, when pre preachers ask me that, they, how many people are you running? I say, oh, between three and 400. And they go, wow, that little town? Said, yeah, we're running about 80, 85 or so. That's between three and 400. <laughs> Listen, that little church in Jackson, Pennsylvania is fulfilling the Great Commission.
People assume, oh, as nuts as I am, that I'd have a big church. We haven't got people. I'm, I'm, I'm coveting. You have people. I have deer and cows, horses, and squirrels. We have squirrels. I have to, but every six months, I have to shoot seven of them off the feeders because they've eaten all the food. And they make a good meal. Joe, you fry them up with stir fry, they're good with rice. Anybody have squirrel before? All right. Then why didn't you amen to me then when I said cook the squirrels? What are you running and how's the offerings? Well, like I said, we, you said, Joe, ask Joe Olstein or ask Benny Hinn. That guy must have some bad breath, man. He can blow him over in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, <sighs> and I fall over. Too much garlic, too much garlic. Offerings, man alive, you know, we're, we're holding our own, but we're not rolling in dough. I can afford to go foreign twice a year, that's it. I wish we had a million bucks because I'd go far and a lot more, but we can't afford it. But man, I'll tell you what, when it comes to depth and maturity, I'll match my people anybody. They love God. And they're good disciples, many of them are. They love the Word of God. They're, they're real. So as far as I'm concerned, we're fulfilling their Great Commission. Any church can do it. Preachers, if you're here today, you're not doing discipleship, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Roll up your sleeves and get to work. I've never been asked how many people are being conformed to the image of Christ in your church. I've never been asked how many people are glorifying God in your Isn't that the real questions we should be asking? I can answer that question pretty much. Why? Because number three, you take goal one and two, which is, what is it? Soul winning, church planning, goal four, image of Christ, glorifying God. The only way I can tell is if I have a spiritual thermometer, which is discipleship, which is the link, goal free. When somebody makes a profession of faith and joins a local church, the only way to get an indication if it was a true profession is to analyze, there's your blank, their attitude and their actions. If their attitude is like Lazarus, it stinketh. And then all of a sudden they get sweet on you, Brother Joe. Something's happening in their hearts. This is where discipleship can link goals one and two with goals four and five. As you begin to teach them and hold them, here's this dirty word, accountable. Accountable, there will be an indication if life is truly being transferred to them. Discipleship is a biblical thermometer for us to analyze their spiritual temperature. You know what happens? I got saved on a Thursday night. The next morning I got up and I dropped an F-bomb. And something inside of me went boop, boop, boop. Red lights, I went, whoa, I heard myself. That doesn't sound very good. And I, later on in the day, I dropped another F-bomb. Ooh. Holy Ghost is like, listen, son, if you're going to be mine, you can't be talking that way no more. Nobody told me I couldn't swear anymore. Holy Ghost conviction, what happened to me? Following weekend, I got loaded. I got, I got blitzed. Man, I felt weird. I felt strange. You know, I've got a buzz on. I'm thinking, I said to the guy, let me quote, why do I feel so funny? He said, you're dumping booze all over the Lord, man. That makes sense. So I went, in the cupboard. I went to the cupboard and I took all the alcohol my father-in-law had given me and I'm dumping booze down the sink. My wife's beating on my back. What are you doing? My father gave that to us. I said, it's, it's sin. It's got to go. She wasn't saved yet, evidently. She got saved two weeks after I did. So the week, weekend after that, I got stoned. I rolled a couple of joints and got high. Anybody ever... Enjoy that, do that. And man, I was paranoid. Wow. I said to John, I feel weird. He says, 
you're haunted by a good ghost. And his name's not Casper. See? And so I went to church and I, I stopped saying F this and F that and all the other words you could throw in. I could cuss up a storm. I was a paratrooper. So my mouth cleaned up. My mother-in-law, I'd go to her house. She had a little box, Joe, and she'd say, every time I drop a word that means excrement, she would say, put a dime in the box. Every time I put a dime in the box. And she'd say, you shouldn't drink so much. You shouldn't drink so much. You shouldn't talk that way. My mother-in-law. Adam was the luckiest man because he, he had a wife, never had a mother-in-law. Right? Um, and so I got saved. Now watch. I quit drinking. I quit swearing. Well, that following Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve, my brother-in-law says, why don't you loosen up a little bit? Have some wine. I'm like, you can't make up your mind, can you? First party, after I got saved, the first party I went to with my best friend, they're all passing the mirror with the lines of coke on it, passing it around, and it came to me, and I just passed it on down, and I'm walking around emptying ashtrays and picking up beer bottles, and they're like, you ain't getting high, dude? I'm like, no, no, I give that up. I was just a brand new Christian. What's the matter with you? Well, I, I was talking to this guy about the Bible. Oh, yeah, here we go. Right? So the life of the party is no longer the life of the party. So I didn't have to separate from them. Biblical separations, they separated from me. I wanted to hang with them because I wanted to lead them to Christ, but they didn't want any part of me anymore. What happened? Well, the discipleship. God's changing me. And people could look at me and say, that guy, he's different. You're saying, this guy, he's different. I, I understand that. Are they willing to be discipled, these people? Or mentored? Are they following the Lord's known clear will in the word? Which it's very clear, right? Will of God, will of God, plan of God, right? Is their love level changing? Are they becoming more long-suffering, more merciful, more forgiving? There's your blank. Forgiving? Is the fruit of the Spirit being manifested in their lives? Have they stopped lying and being deceitful? Are they responding to true Holy Ghost conviction? See, this is how you can tell. And when you're sitting at their kitchen table each week, you can tell by their body language, by their eye contact, if they've done their homework, if they can answer the questions, you can tell if they're changing. It throws my soul. I told you about that guy, Dennis, saying, man, I feel weird, Pastor. You know what I, mean? I said, that's good, man. That's awesome. Raising children, it says, physically and spiritually is hard work. Would you agree? I was told by several women that pregnancy causes brain damage. Because I know my kids had brain damage till, till they were like 20 years old. My dad used to say to me, you haven't got the brains you were born with. And I, there was one, my daughter had a... He, he came in the house and sat at the table. I took my 45 out later on the table. I said, how you doing, son? What's your name? My wife said, you shouldn't have done that. I said, yes, I should have. But Dad, she said, Dad, all the kids at school, they, they know you carry a gun and, and, and no karate. They're afraid of you. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> it takes a lot of time to raise a child and do it right. You know what? You want to raise 
church members, right? It takes a lot of time. And many are not willing to put in the time love their people one-on-one. I tell our people, every one of you deserve individual attention. Every one of you. And preacher, the only way you're going to do that is to make more of you, because you can't do it all. You get ten men running around your church, have the same passion you have, knowledge, now you're getting somewhere. Uh, you know, people, I've had some people say, how can you be away from your church so much? I said, well, first of all, they don't need me. They still want me, thank God, but they don't need me. I could, I could go away six months, that church wouldn't even hiccup. They can preach. I got guys saying, can I, my turn, can I preach, can I preach, my turn, can I preach? Fighting over who wants to preach while I'm gone. Praise like, you, you know what, that's an awesome thing. But you're not going to get that overnight. You better put some time in. Evangelism and church attendance are vital, yes, are they? But true Christian growth cannot stop any more than you can bring the kid home, right? Bringing home the new baby. You can't just bring the kid home and expect that kid to raise itself. It's not going to happen. Parents today, well, I'll tell you, I talk to some young people and they're sharp as tacks. They're awesome. Other parents, I talk to them, I think, I look at the kid and I go, gee, that kid's a mess. Then I meet the parents and I go, there it is. Now I know why. True biblical discipleship has the potential, now watch, to produce explosive growth. Explosive growth. Paul's ministry. We look at his ministry, and, and there's the verse again, 72.2, faithful men. By the way, you said four generations. I usually say five, Joe, because it's Jesus, Paul, right? Timothy, faithful men, others also. It's five generations in that verse. And when you can get five generations up on the platform on a Sunday morning saying, now listen, folks, see what God's doing in our church? Boom, 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 boom. That's awesome. I love that baton thing, too. I can order them, right? www. Something. Something. How do you spell that? Something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Number one. We're going to be done early, okay? We are going to be done early. Number one, uh, in Ephesus, you can, we're not going to read the verses. It's a lengthy read. Uh, everything that Paul charged them with, he had lived before them and showed them how to. Paul was 100%. You know, we want to meet a lot of people. I want to meet Jonah just to figure out what made him tick. But I really want to meet Paul. Paul was my hero. He was probably a little sawed-off, ugly little Jew, right? With fire in his eyes, right? You know what it says in, when Paul turned and looked at him? Fixed his eyes on him. <laughs> Can you see the look on Paul's face? It's like when your wife's mad at you. The red beam comes out of her eyes. Burns a hole in your stomach. Unbelievable. But everything he said you need to do, he said, listen, he didn't just say wash the toilet. He said, here's how you wash the toilet. Right here. Right? You need to be willing to do all that stuff. We both, we, I've built two buildings now where I am, and I'm not, I told my deacons, if I say to you I want to build another building, I want you to punch me in the face five times as hard as you can. You want to go crazy. Most preachers don't survive one building program, never mind two. Unbelievable. Staying somewhere, there's something to be said. God uses some men, he moves them around, and praise the Lord for that. But he, sometimes you just need to stay put, some of you guys. Just stay put and love your people. Show them how to do it. Show them how to sacrifice. Show them how to put the long hours in. 
Don't expect him to do stuff that you aren't going to do first. We see in, uh, in, in Corinth, Paul's life had been transformed and it was clearly manifest. He didn't just tell them what they should do. He, there's the blank, he lived in front, of his, in front of them. He demonstrated how to, here you go, mentor. Lived, mentor, and the last one is through in that paragraph. He lived his life and allowed the Lord to manifest himself to others. The Lord was able to reproduce his life through Paul. That scares me to death when I think, am I stopping God's work by not being Christ-like enough to affect this person I'm ministering to? Is there, is there a hitch somewhere? Is there a dam holding back the water of life in my life so that these people are not getting what they need? I said yesterday, preacher, you need to be the one to change the most. And not just once. But over and over and over again and continue your growth so that people can be led to where God wants them to go. It scares me to death. We see it in the lives of Paul's disciples. You've got Titus, right? He told them there, I left you in Crete that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders. Well, where do you think the elders came from? Who proved them? Titus. Well, I wonder how he figured that out. Gee, he must have learned it from Paul. In Timothy. You desire an officer bishop, desire a good work. Where do you suppose Timothy learned to train? You can't prove a guy in, in six weeks. I ask preach. I say, preachers, what do, you, what do you do for discipleship? Oh, yeah, we have a little thing where we teach them where the church came from. I, okay, cool. Yeah, and how long is What do you mean? How do you disciple them? Well, we have Sunday school, we have Sunday night, Wednesday night. Cool, that's good, yeah. What else do you do? God, what's the matter with you? He said, there you go. Right? Preacher? Yeah. So I went from Massachusetts to Pennsylvania and I pastored until May before I got ordained. I was from December to May and my preacher had a massive stroke and was never able to be part of my ordination. But he gave me the right answer. I didn't have a pastor's heart. I was just a wild man. My messages were, get off your blessed assurance and do something for God. Paul commissioned Timothy and Titus to ordain elders for the purpose of multiplying disciples. And Paul reproduced himself in them and they in others. Faithful men. Let's not break this chain, folks. And then the Lord Jesus Christ ministry, he had 12 apostles, right? And Lord, I'm on page 12 now. The Lord started with a group of core of what? 12, right? 12. As he grew, he selected number two, 70. And he used them to train the 70, which fueled more growth in them. All right, when we're always, we always learn more when we are responsible as the blank to teach somebody else. Right. I've heard people say it, I don't know how many times. Preacher, I learned a lot when I got disciple. But when I had to disciple somebody, I really learned this stuff because sure. you've got to have the answers. And I tell people, okay. You know, Fred, you're going to be discipled by Brother Joe here. Now, Joe's going to be your pastor for the next year or so. If you have a question, don't call me. Call Brother Joe because he needs to learn how to answer your questions. Now, if he can't answer your question, he'll call me and I'll give him the answer. I'll show him how to find the answer. Then he'll call you back because he needs to learn how to do this. Now, if you need your pastor, you can call me. But And what you say to Joe stays between you and Joe. When you disciple, keep your mouth shut what they share with you. The rest of you repent and say amen later. 
So by the Feast of Pentecost, the group had grown to 120. Right, it gave you the Acts 1.15. Number four, 3,000 saved at Pentecost. Number five, look at this, 5,000 men being saved. About 5,000. There's something going on here. And then when 25 years, it says they turned the world upside down. Acts 19.10 says all, now again, I would say Asia, where I come from. You would say Asia. Because we put ours where they're not supposed to. We say pizza. <clears throat> you would say Asia Minor. We would say Asia Minor. That's the way New England, that's how English people speak. That's, I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. All Asia, that's A-S-I-A, heard the word. Right? Now look at this. It says, here's an important thought. They accomplished all of that without TV, radio, telephones, airplanes, cars, fax machines, cell phones, computers, internet, iPads, satellites, and you can write Facebook if you want to, and Twitter, and whatever else. You, have. you know, I had to crack up when they asked Bill Belichick about that. He goes, I don't do snap face. <laughs> that, shows you, that shows you how much Bill is on stuff like that. Now, and listen, Facebook's a great tool, but I hate it with a passion. I've seen it cause more problems than, than anything else. And so, now, point C. The Great Commission may be fulfilled by any even that little country church up in Jackson, Pennsylvania. Those folks are smacking home runs because they believe the Word of God. And by the way, I ain't changing this book. It's called the Authorized Version, and that's what I'm going to keep preaching. And if you don't like it, you can lump it. Enough said about that. The key involvement of every individual, that's the key. And you can read the verse, you know, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, every, every part being effective, right? You, if you have a bad leg, you have to drag that leg behind. You can still walk, but you, you can't run. So if you're a leg in the church and you aren't walking like you're supposed to, you're going to affect the progress of that church. Right? right? You don't, your ear or an eye, whatever the case may be. I've got a message I preach on that. I think I preach it at your church, Eric. You know, it's, it's a, it helps me every time I preach it. 